Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 64 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It's been a long time, friends. It's been a long, long time. 16 days without the Will Ford Show. I've missed it. I'm sure some of my more consistent listeners are missing it, you know. I I'm sorry. I I might honestly be like the worst podcaster in the world. Uh as far as consistency goes, it seems like I'm one week on, two weeks off, one week on, three weeks off, like this is unbelievable. I thought after WMCO weekend, which was a couple weekends ago, actually. And that's probably actually been how long it's been. Since then, I thought everything was going to calm down, and it really, really hasn't. And I feel so terrible about it because it's just, just sucks not being able to do this. Because I love doing this. This is my passion. This is what I want to do when I grow up, so to speak. Uh, this is what I, do, what I want to do with my career. I want to do this on radio. And I kind of am in a way at Muskingum, but not in the full way that I would like to. And this is the one way that I can fully express my opinions, be me. And I haven't been able to do that for 16 days. Uh, it's just... The end of the year is coming up. I get out of school. Oh, I think I finished like my last exam is going to be on the 9th of May. And then I have to stay for graduation because we are, because Orbit Media, they cover it. We cover it. And so we have to film it and get it on radio and TV and stuff. So that's a thing. And I've, um, I've got two jobs for that. But after the 12th, School is going to be over with, and then I'll just be working during the summer, and so my schedule is going to be a lot more open, a lot more free, and I know I'll be fine during the summer as far as getting podcasts out and things, but I just thought I was going to have a lot more time. Like, right now, after WMCO weekend finished a couple weeks ago, and I really haven't. I had a six-page paper to um, to write for this class and I wrote it in like three days which was incredible but like we just that was kind of difficult because we didn't really have that much time to do it and I've got all these other projects coming up and it just feels like I never get a minute to sit down and just put the mic in front of me and talk away I've missed a lot of sports news and I'm really, really behind. Hopefully you guys are sticking with me. Hopefully you guys still want to listen and hopefully you haven't jumped ship to a different sports podcast. I'm still trying to trying to grow as much as I, I can. I thought I was doing good for what I, I was doing good for a while when I was getting two episodes out a week. And then 
crap hit the fan pretty much. And that's when my consistency nose dived and it's been really tough. So I apologize for that. Here today for episode 64, it's April 12th. It is 9:20 at night. Um let's let's jump into an episode. Let's let's do an episode. I am excited to do one. I haven't done one in such a long time. Happy to be back. Let's try to grow this podcast back up to what it kind of was, you know, a couple months ago, um, as far as consistency-wise. But I've missed a lot, as I've said. A lot's gone on. A lot's happened. But um, March Madness concluded this past weekend. Um, it actually concluded on Monday night. Um, the men's championship was on Monday night, and the women's championship was on Sunday. Um, in the in the women's side, Baylor beat Notre Dame for the national title, and then Virginia beat Texas Tech uh, for the men on the men's side for the national title. Um, and if any of you have tuned in to WMCO ninety point seven on um, Mondays from eight to ten. And I actually filled in for on a couple Friday shows, four to six. Um, if you happen to tune in at all, I did do a couple segments on March Madness. And every prediction I made, whether it be from the six, Sweet 16 onwards, Elite Eight onwards, Final Four, Championship game, I was completely backwards on all of them. I was completely wrong. Utterly and completely wrong. Like the Final Four, I predicted the championship game to be Auburn versus Michigan State backwards. And then I predicted Texas Tech over Virginia backwards. I mean, in a way, that's what makes March Madness what it is. That is the definition of March Madness. Nobody can predict it, but it's like unbelievable how wrong I was in the span of a month, like on this tournament. Both of my brackets, if you join my tournament bracket challenge on the ESPN app, uh, my one bracket was, oh, I don't know, like 30-something percent co- like correct, and the other one was 18% correct. Terrible. Atrocious. Unbelievably bad. And, like, I follow sports, I watch sports, I pay attention to sports, I'm passionate about sports, this is what I want to do for a living, and I couldn't have been more wrong. (laughs) But that's the beauty of March Madness. So, Baylor wins the women's side of the college basketball tournament, and Virginia wins on the men's side. Um... Um, so shifting shifting gears to the NBA, Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki are now calling it a career. Um, we knew D Wade was retiring at the beginning of the season, as he announced his one last dance, his final season, his final game. He actually put up a a, a triple double, which is incredible. And then Dirk Nowitzki in his final home game. Uh, put up 30 points. Dwayne Wade also put up 30 in his final home game of the year. But 
two legends hanging it up. Dirk announced it after his last home game. He literally like grabbed a microphone and talked to the fans and got really emotional. It was really emotional to watch. Emotional to watch. Um, it was you know Dirk has always been a uh, a player that I've always liked to watch, and when I played basketball. Um, he was kind of a guy I always tried to model after because I was a big guy. I mean, I'm six one, so I'm really not big. And I'm six one, and I'm like 150 pounds, and I'm a stick. Um, but like, my coaches always wanted me to play inside because I was one of the taller kids on the team, and so he was kind of a guy I always liked to model after because he used finesse. He wasn't a big bruiser in the paint. He was more of a, a finesse guy and a shooter. And that's that's what I wanted to be. Um, so Dirk's always been a guy that I've kind of looked up to in a way. A uh, very fun player to watch. Um, and he's a he's a lifer, man. He spent 21 seasons with the same organization, the Dallas Mavericks. That's really unheard of. You don't see that anymore. Kobe spent 20 seasons with the Lakers. Tim Duncan spent 19 with the Spurs. You really, you never see that anymore. You don't see players spending their whole careers with one team in one city. Uh, Especially now with player movement. Player movement is like at, at its peak. Players are moving everywhere. Players are going to continue to move everywhere because of player empowerment. And and the players have a platform that's bigger than ever before. And they can, they have all the leverage. And it's incredible to see those stories where a player spends his whole career with one team. Dwayne Wade spent most of his career with the Miami Heat. He left for Chicago and then kind of felt bad and he went back to the Heat after a couple of seasons. He went to the Cavs and that was a disaster, but he's always been a Heat guy. He didn't leave to go form a super team. He left to get what he was worth and I think he regrets leaving Miami the first time. But two absolute legends hanging it up. Dirk's one of the greatest big men in NBA history. I would probably put him behind. Oh, as far as like four men go, because he was a power forward, I'd put him behind Tim Duncan. I'm trying to think of some other big men, power forwards all time. I don't even. I Dirk might even re, be just right behind. Um, Tim Duncan, as far as one of the best power forwards ever. Um, I know Charles Barkley was a very dominant power forward. Um, but Dirk is as a legend. Dwayne Wade's the third best shooting guard of all time behind Kobe and Michael Jordan. Dwayne Wade is just a dog. He's, and really it's, it's kind of the end of an era. It's the end of an entire generation of NBA players. I mean, a lot of those players from that 03 draft and and 
even further back. Dirk was from, he was in the 98 draft. A lot of those players are gone now. And it's it's kind of sad because we've got this new era of NBA talent and it seems like they're never in one place for too long. Um, but regardless, two legends hanging it up. They've made a tremendous impact on the game and they're certainly going to be missed as, you know, they're, they're future Hall of Famers, so... Okay, so this is really the big news now um, in the NBA. There's a crisis going on in Los Angeles with the LA Lakers. Um, Magic Johnson has just stepped down as the president of basketball operations. That happened a couple of days ago. Luke Luke Walton was just fired today. Well, they said mutually agreed to part ways, which that just means he was fired. Um, that that doesn't mean anything. But um, Magic Johnson's gone. Luke Walton is gone. And LeBron James is nowhere to be found. Um, LeBron was with Mello and CP3 in Brooklyn for Dwayne Wade's final game of his career. That was when Magic Johnson announced he was stepping down. Nobody knew that he was going to step down. Jeannie Buss didn't know. LeBron didn't know. And with LeBron 3,000 miles away over in good old Brooklyn, New York, these young kids, Josh Hart, Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, they've got to answer all these questions about the team. Why is Magic gone? Where's LeBron? They've got to answer all these questions. And it's not fair. And I think this truly epitomizes, this this whole situation truly epitomizes how poorly the season has went for the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron has not fully embraced this city, this team, and the and these young players. He has not fully embraced it. He's embraced Hollywood. He's embraced all the extracurriculars. He's embraced the movie business and all this glamour and glitz and everything. But he hasn't embraced his teammates. He hasn't embraced any of it. And it it seems like LeBron just has not had a very good year. As a leader, he's had an extremely poor year. He hasn't taken any of these young guys under his wing. And it seems like there's a stark difference between friends and family this is something that really resonates and with this situation lebron's hanging out with his friends in brooklyn while his family is in crisis his, the house is burning down essentially and put it to you like this you always have to be there for your family they're your family like i'm always going to be there for my family but i can't always be there for my friends it's like when there's crisis in the household. Let's say, I don't know, your basement floods, everything's ruined, and you know you've got to, you know, rebuild and 
get the water out and you've just got to rebuild that basement and you got to you got to redo everything but you're just like ah I really want to go hang with my boys though down at the bar I really want to go do that but I'll but I'll be back no that that doesn't work that's basically what LeBron is doing he's not helping out at the house he's not making sure everything is is okay he's down with his his buddies in Brooklyn hanging out with D Wade watching D Wade I'm pretty sure Dwayne Wade would have understood if LeBron couldn't have been there because of everything that's going on with his team. I think the the main problem is LeBron doesn't LeBron just hasn't embraced his team and I think he thinks of Dwayne Wade and CP3 and Mello as family, but he doesn't think of these young kids as his family. That's where the problem lies. Dwayne Wade and and all those guys, those are those are just his friends, but he thinks of them as family. These young Lakers, he just thinks of them as friends when in reality, they're his family. He's playing with them for the next three years. That's where he's going to be for the next three seasons. And I just don't think LeBron is engaged anymore. I think with him being in LA, I think he's done. I I just think he doesn't he doesn't care about basketball as much anymore. He's more in it for the Hollywood. I'll say this, uh, the Hollywood is always going to be there after basketball. It's always going to be there. He's LeBron James. I mean, what are we talking about? He will have a career after basketball. I don't know why he doesn't just play out the rest of these three seasons, try to win a championship in LA, and then focus on on all the glitz and glamour afterwards. But LeBron's too focused on 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 it now he got sucked in Kobe never got sucked in and Magic Johnson never got sucked in these guys never got sucked into all that LA Hollywood stuff and LeBron did it's really unfortunate because I think this really significantly hurts LeBron's legacy as a player and this is why I would never put him in the greatest of all time discussion with Michael Jordan. I just, he's just not as engaged. He's not an alpha and it's really disappointing. But I have a theory and I think this is actually really interesting. I saw this on the herd and I've thought about it a couple of times as well. Um, but obviously I haven't been able to voice this opinion on the podcast. So they beat me to it. Um, but the next person to fill that void in the in the front office of the LA Lakers as the president of basketball operations should be Kobe Bryant. Now just think about this for a second. Kobe Bryant if he was if he's hired as the president of basketball operations he would be LeBron James's boss. Kobe would have control over LeBron James. Kobe would he would be able to determine 
whether or not LeBron can be moved or not. Just think about that for a minute. Kobe can have that power if he's president of the basketball operations. But what actually makes this perfect, it's not that he has control over LeBron James. Kobe is an extremely intelligent and and extremely intense person. I personally thought it was going to be very difficult to carry on after retiring from basketball because of how competitive he is. But he has thrived outside of basketball. He's written books. He's produced short films. He's created a storytelling podcast. He does so much incredible work. And he's thriving outside of basketball. He's an extremely smart and he's an extremely intelligent guy. That's number one. Number two is he's got a a very deep background. He grew up in Italy, so he's got international relations. Kobe is a global brand. I mean, he has major connections with China. He has sold a ton of shoes in China, a ton of shoes across the world. He is global. He might even be more global than LeBron James is, as far as just the people he reaches. So with him having an international background and international connections, he would be a really good scout of foreign players, European players, Chinese, Asian, whoever. He would be really good at, at scouting those kinds of players in the draft. That's number two. And then number three is his intensity. If he's locked into bat, like he can withstand any grind. Mentally, physically, doesn't matter. The dude can handle anything. Once you get him locked back into basketball, he's he is so intense, he will forcefully build this this team to be a championship team. And like I mentioned, Kobe has international relations, but he's also got many relationships within the NBA with some of the NBA's current stars. Kawhi Leonard, he's got connections with. Kawhi's favorite player growing up was Kobe. Um, Kyrie Irving has a, a tremendous relationship with Kobe Bryant. And Kobe... You know, Kyrie has said Kobe is one of his role models and he practices that quote-unquote Mamba mentality. Kobe's got relationships with some of these players and he would be able to get them to come to L.A. If Kobe's president of basketball operations tomorrow, I guarantee you the Lakers land a superstar next summer. Whether it be Kawhi, Kyrie, whoever. Um, And something else that's also important Kobe's best friend is Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka was Kobe's agent during his playing days. And I think keeping Rob Palenka and getting rid of Luke Walton, I think that's immediately showing favoritism towards Kobe. I think Jeannie is kind of pandering to Kobe 
Because I think Magic wanted both of them gone. I think Magic wanted both Rob and Luke gone. And Jeannie didn't want to do that. And so by keeping Rob Palenka, I think that makes Kobe happy. And then you put Kobe in the president position with Rob Palenka. I think they would make a terrific pair. And the funny thing in all of this is Kobe's going to have control over LeBron James. And, you know, Kobe has said all the right stuff this season about LeBron James about the injuries and how that's had an effect on the season and how you can't judge a person's career based off of one bad season, which is fair. But on the inside, I think Kobe is relishing the idea of LeBron's legacy taking a hit because recently they've been talking about um, rankings all time. Kobe was asked um how he would rank himself, Michael Jordan and LeBron, and he said himself, Michael, then LeBron. Kobe thinks he's the best. Kobe knows he's the best ever. And so LeBron's legacy taking a hit because of this poor season, Kobe's relishing that because he's going to be even more beloved in LA and even more beloved as one of the better players all time. Although I think universally people think LeBron's better than Kobe at all time. But it's still somewhat debatable. I'm one of those people that would argue Kobe over LeBron, but I also see LeBron over Kobe as well. So, But I think this is this would be a tremendous idea, a tremendous hire, and I think it's actually very possible that Kobe could get pulled back into NBA basketball. I think it's absolutely possible. And it's something that I would look out for. Ty Lu is the leading uh, front runner to get the Lakers job. Uh, Pelicans assistant Monty Williams is also in the mix. But I think Ty Lu is probably going to be the coach because he was LeBron's coach last year and the last couple years. Ty Lu was also a Laker way back. So there's connections there. It makes sense. But if Kobe's hired and Kobe has any say, it might be different. So we don't know. Um, But right now there's crisis in LA. LeBron's not engaged. Kobe's a potential candidate to be the president. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, so the NBA playoffs, those brackets are set, um, for the East and the West. If we go and look at the NBA playoffs bracket, there's a bracket challenge. Hmm. That would be interesting. But anyways, we've got. Jeez, okay, I I hate my computer. It's super old and slow. But anyways, um, in the Eastern Conference, the number one seed is the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, They're going to be taking on the eight seed Detroit Pistons. 
And if I can get this to load, maybe I can look at all the other seedings. So, give me a minute here. All right. So, Milwaukee taking on Detroit. Um, number two, Toronto taking on number seven, Orlando. Orlando's in the playoffs for the first time in like 10 years. Um, number three, Philadelphia taking on the Brooklyn Nets. And then number four, Boston taking on number five, Indiana. And then looking at the Western Conference, Golden State taking on the LA Clippers, one and eight. Number two seed, Denver Nuggets taking on the number seven seed, San Antonio Spurs. The number three seed, number three seed Portland Trailblazers, who stole the three seed from the Houston Rockets in the last game. They're taking on the number six seed, Oklahoma City Thunder. And then number four seed, Houston Rockets, taking on the number five seed, the Utah Jazz. This is interesting. And I'm actually really excited for the playoffs. Playoffs start tomorrow. I'm just going to go through each matchup in this bracket, and we're going to predict, I'm going to predict my champions for this year. So I like Milwaukee over Detroit, probably in four games, maybe five. I like Toronto over Orlando. Um, I like the Brooklyn Nets over the 76ers. I'm going to take the six-seed Brooklyn Nets led by D'Angelo Russell. They're going to take down Philadelphia. And then if Indiana had Victor Oladipo, I would take Indiana, but they don't. So I'm going with Boston in this series. And then Milwaukee versus Boston. This is kind of tough. But I'm going to go with Boston. Boston was my team to start the year. They've kind of had a... They've struggled this year as a team. They've kind of been better without Kyrie Irving. But I like Boston. I think Boston's going to take down Milwaukee. Although I would love to see Milwaukee uh, make a deep run. Because I'm a huge Giannis fan. And then Brooklyn versus Toronto. I'll take Toronto in that series. And then we're going to have Boston versus Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to take Boston to make it to the NBA Finals. That'll probably be a six-game series, seven games. And then if we go to the western side, the Golden State Warriors over the Clippers. That's easy. I'm going to take the San Antonio Spurs over the Denver Nuggets. Um, That's going to be one of my upsets in the west. I'm going to take... I'm going to take the Houston Rockets over the Jazz. It's going to be a close series, but I think Houston's going to edge them. And then I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder over the Portland Trailblazers. And then the Golden State Warriors versus the Houston Rockets. I'm going to take Golden State. Although Houston has beaten them a couple times this year, I think. Um, and then OKC versus San Antonio. With the way that Paul George has played this year. I'm going to take Oklahoma City over the Spurs. And then I'm going to take Golden State over um, 
over the Thunder. We're going to have a Golden State Warriors versus Boston Celtics final. And I originally predicted the Celtics at the start of the year. I'm going to ride with that. I'm going to say the Boston Celtics over the Golden State Warriors in seven games. So that's my prediction. Celtics over the Warriors in seven games. And with the regular season now officially over, um, those season's awards for the NBA, those regular season awards, they're going to be decided upon. I don't think they're announced until after the playoffs, though, which is weird. But anyways, uh, my MVP, as I mentioned a couple episodes back, but it seems like that was probably like two months ago. Um, my MVP is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, a lot of people are saying James Harden, but I think his numbers are inflated by his usage rate, and he's extremely inefficient. Giannis, on the other hand, his usage rate usage rate is not as high, much more efficient. And his team is a lot. Uh, uh, his team isn't necessarily more talented, but his team is better, and they win more because Giannis has a better. He has a bigger impact. Um, but I can understand the James Harden point of views because James Harden literally has to do everything for that team for them to win. But I like Giannis as the MVP of the league. Um, most improved, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell has had a heck of a year, and I'm sure the Lakers are killing themselves for tr- for trading him because of what he's done. He was an all-star this year. He's just been incredible. Um, my least improved player, and this one's going to be, I don't know if this is a tie, but I'm going to nominate two players for the least improved. I know this isn't a real award, but... I'm making it a real one. Uh, Ben Simmons and Andrew Wiggins are my two least improved players. Andrew Wiggins has been hyped ever since he came into the league. And everyone's been making excuses for him. Like, oh, next year's the year, next year's the year. He sucks. He is a terrible player. I don't know why the Timberwolves still have him. I don't know why they re-signed him to such a big deal. And then Ben Simmons... Ben Simmons is a great player. Excellent passer, excellent court vision, excellent defender. Great ball handler. Has not worked on his jumper a lick. Hasn't done anything to improve his shooting. Teams, like players who guard Ben Simmons are literally standing in the paint. And Ben Simmons is just dribbling behind the three-point line. And Ben Simmons will not shoot the ball. Ben Simmons won't shoot it. Like, what are you going to do when you when you get to the, the NBA Finals? If the Sixers get to the NBA Finals, Ben Simmons has the ball. They're leaving him open. Like, what are you going to you, You're just not going to shoot it? Like, you've got to shoot it. I don't know why Ben Simmons isn't working on his, his jumper during the offseason. I mean, the guy literally shoots under 30% outside of 10 feet from the basket. That is... Shorter than a free throw in in case um, you're not refined on your dimensions of half-court offense. Ten feet 
shorter than a free throw, Ben Simmons shoots less than 30% from that range and beyond. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Defensive player of the year. Probably, honestly, Rudy Gobert. He is just a, a beast. And Rudy Gobert is... He's kind of gotten snubbed the last couple of years with awards. He's been, he's really just a stout defensive player. Anthony Davis probably is in the mix as well, in, in my opinion. Um, sixth man of the year. Honestly, if you think about it, and this is kind of funny because I just predicted the Celtics to win the championship, but Colin Cowherd mentioned this a couple days ago on his show, and I kind of agree with it because it actually makes a lot of sense because usually when you think of six men, people who come off the bench. But Kyrie Irving is essentially like the sixth man in Boston, if you think about it. Whenever he doesn't play, the, the Celtics usually win. And he's still really good, and he still puts up good numbers, but... It just seems like, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Uh, But as far as real sixth men, Lou Williams probably again, like he wins every year. Um, Jamal Crawford is kind of, I don't know if I want to say resurged because he's still been a pretty good player. He just scored 51 points the other night against the Mavs. In Dirk's final home game. Kind of stole Dirk's thunder. But anyways. Those are my NBA awards. For this season. Um, so let's. Let's move on to the NFL. Um, well I guess. Not necessarily NFL. But the AAF. Um, the AAF. Has officially disbanded. Uh, and there, there were only like eight games through the season. They are done. Um, the people involved, the owner, um, lost $70 million of his own money being put into, uh, into this league. Originally committed, uh, I believe, $250 million of his own money. And was paying, uh, he was basically funding the operations weekly. And now, now it's shut down. I don't, the weekly is kind of weird. I don't know why you would be funding a, uh, a league weekly. Um, especially when you're trying to, um, groom NFL talent. Um, but Tom Dundon is the guy who committed all this money. $250, $250 million of his own money was paying weekly and lost $70 million of it. And they only got through eight games of the year. And the Orlando Apollos are essentially your league champions, even though they never got to the playoffs. Um, 
but Tom Dundon went against the orders of uh, Bill Polian, who was one of the founders, uh, Charlie Ebersol. The, they, Dundon went against both of those guys. Those guys wanted to keep it going and at least just get through the season and then reevaluate where they were. And Tom Dundon just basically pulled all the funding and they shut down the league. And so the, all those players that they were going to pay out of a job, all this hype surrounding the league. And really, I didn't think it was a bad league. I thought it was, you know, it, it was good enough. It fills the void of no football for, I don't know, six months. I mean, the quality wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a great product, but it was good enough. It was, it was fine. I mean, I picked the team and everything. I mean, I wasn't watching consistently, but I watched. And I didn't think it was bad. But now it's it's over, and I guess the only thing we have to look forward to now is the, uh, the extreme football league, the XFL, that Vince McMahon is going to bring back in 2020. So we'll see if that has any success as a spring-summer football league. Um, because the AAF, um, they clearly, I guess, didn't have enough funding. And also another thing that kind of goes into it is they didn't really have a lot of fan support. I mean, they were sitting in these big stadiums. They were using these big stadiums. And I'll tell you what, not even, not that many fans were going to these games. Um, which, when you don't have a lot of fan support, that's obviously going to hinder your operations and it's going to make it seem like it's not worth it. But um, another reason why this failed is NFL teams didn't really want to work with the AAF. The AAF wanted to use practice squad players from NFL teams to kind of fill out their rosters and give them an opportunity to play and make some money instead of just sitting around on an NFL roster not doing anything. And NFL teams didn't want to relinquish relinquish control of those players, um, whether it be for injury reasons or just having contractual control, whatever it may be. But you know, those are the reasons why it failed. They didn't have enough funding. They didn't have fan support, and they weren't getting any backing from the NFL. So it's kind of unfortunate. But we'll see if the XFL has any kind of success. Um, next year as they attempt to get that started back up. All right, so special edition. The Ford Food Chain is going to return for a segment. Um, so Fox Sports put out a, I don't know if it was a poll on Twitter. I don't, I, it was a, they put out a bracket of the NFL teams and they wanted them to fill out a bracket of the Best fan bases um, in the NFL. And I think the bracket was probably just randomly, random draw. But the final ended up being the Tennessee Titans versus the Cleveland Browns as the best fan bases. And I think the Browns won. And I'm just going to tell you right now, neither of those two teams are in my top 10. As far as fan bases, definitely not the Titans. The Browns might be close. But I think those are two 
insecure franchises who have fans that are just I don't know they they think they're great I guess but they're not great fan bases I mean the Browns the last 15 to 20 years they've had many seats unfilled the Tennessee Titans haven't been relevant since Vince Young um, the late Steve McNair, even further back than that. And they haven't had fantastic attendance. So we're going to do the Ford Food Chain, the top 10 NFL fan bases, according to me. We'll start with number one. We're going to from, start from the top down. Number one is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, has anyone ever heard of the terrible towel? Because literally you see that in every every Steelers home game. Every fan is waving around one of those terrible towels. And they might be the the one fan base in the NFL that travels absolutely so well. They have tremendous attendance even on road games. You see terrible towels waving around. They are just... Incredible fans. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I hate Steelers fans, obviously. But they travel really well. They're extremely passionate, the city of Pittsburgh. And it's a very, very large fan base. A lot of people love the Steelers. Number two, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. Another team that has a very large fan base. It's considered America's team. And they're another team whose fans travel really well as uh, as well. Both games, I've been to two Cowboys games in my life. And in both games, I am pretty sure that um, the, the number of Cowboys fans in the stadium outweighed both Bengals fans and Browns fans in both the games I went to. I went to a, a Bengals game back in... Oh, 2013, 2014, and then I went to a Browns game in 2016. The number of Cowboys fans walking on the streets after the game, just walking out of the stadium, was incredible. Um, And I remember at the Bengals game I went to, there was a Let's Go Cowboys chant going on throughout the entire stadium. It was really, really cool. Cowboys fans travel really well, probably not as well as the Steelers, but they're an incredible fan base as well. Um, I will say that um, I think their support comes and goes. And what I mean by that is um, when the team has some down years, it just seems like their support isn't there. And they also aren't necessarily the loudest group of fans. Now, I gave you examples of where we we were loud, but that was in one game, obviously. But when you go to AT&T Stadium, I, teams have no trouble playing there because the fans aren't very loud. And 
It's not to say that they weren't passionate. I think there's a ton of passion in Cowboys fans. But collectively, their fan base isn't always right behind the team because they usually blow it at some point in the season. But collectively, they're a great fan base. They travel well. Um, and I think another thing that goes into it well is they're kind of corporately... Um, no, I don't want to say corporately created, but Jerry Jones has created a very fan-friendly stadium, built a stadium where there's all these bells and whistles, and it seems like fans in that stadium pay more attention to the stadium itself than the team, I guess. But regardless, still a pretty good fan base, travel well. They're number two. Number three... The Cheeseheads, the Green Bay Packers fan base. It's always really loud in Lambeau. It's one of the that's one of the loudest crowds in the NFL. Tremendous support. They sit through the cold. That's another thing too about fan bases. Uh, you're a true fan if you're willing to sit through the cold to support your team. They've got a big fan base. They sit in the cold. And it's their number three, and the number four is a very similar team, in my opinion. The the Chicago Bears, another cold city. Chicago, it's a baseball and a football city. They love their Chicago Bears. Tremendous support. Soldier Field is one of the tougher places to play. They're a great fan base. Number five, the um, the Raiders, the Oakland, they're o- Oakland Raiders. They're I don't know where they're going to be playing next season. If it's going to be in L.A. or if it's going to be overseas, um, I think they might be staying in Oakland for one more season before they go to Las Vegas. But anyways, uh, a lot of fans are upset that they're moving and they've got a lot of support behind them no no fans like Oakland is a very passionate city about football they don't want their their team to leave and i don't know there's just something about them that it just seems like to me they've always had a great fan base and nobody really talks about it um, but I've got them at number five. Number six is probably the loudest place to play in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. It's kind of a small fan base. It's kind of just a regional fan base. And obviously these fans have a deep connection with the Saints because of Hurricane Katrina. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and um, I believe it was in 06. But um there's a deep connection with that, with what the players did for the city. It's a regional fan base, but they are the absolute toughest place to play. They're so loud, and they're incredible. Um, number seven, the 12th man in Seattle. The, they're called that for a reason. They are probably the second loudest place to play um, in the NFL. I mean, what more can you say about that? They've got tremendous support. They have their own flag in this in, in a stadium. Um, they've broken records as far as sound. Um, 
They're number seven on my list. Number eight, extremely passionate fans. The fan base of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're extremely passionate. And again, they're another team I despise, but they have an extremely passionate fan base. Um, number nine, another very loud place to play, kind of a regional uh, fan base as well, the Kansas City Chiefs. There's not a lot of fans of Kansas City because, first of all, in Kansas City, it's really cold during the NFL season. And it's Kansas City. I mean, what are you going to do in Kansas City? Um, that's why it's a regional it's a regional fan base. But the fans that do support this team, they literally sit through possibly the crappiest weather. It's their their fan base is extremely tough. They they literally sit with snow in their seats, hailstorms. Not forget snow. They have hailstorms. I mean, it's incredible how passionate those fans are, and they're willing to withstand any kind of weather to support their team. And then number ten, and this was kind of tough. I debated between the New York Giants. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, potentially even putting the Browns in here, but I put the Denver Broncos. Playing in the Mile High City, it's always been a really loud place to play. And I've got a and I've got a couple friends who are Broncos fans, and you know it, that stadium in Denver is always extremely loud, and it makes it extremely tough to play in, especially with the elevation. As a factor as well, but those are that's a that's a team that's really tough to play in that environment with those fans. Those are my top ten NFL fan bases: number one, the Steelers; number two, the Cowboys; number three, the Packers; number four, the Bears; number five, the Raiders; number six, the Saints; number seven, the Seahawks; number eight, the Eagles; number nine, the Chiefs; and number ten, the Broncos. That is just my opinion. Obviously, if you're a fan of a different team that wasn't in this top 10, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but don't try and tell me that the Titans are the best fan base in football um, or the Browns. Another team, kind of an honorable mention, Buffalo Bills as well. And you might be thinking, like, Buffalo Bills, they suck. I mean, yeah, they do. But... Their their support for the Bills, the fan support for the Bills has been consistent and unwavering. They have never left the side of the Bills, even in the down years, never left. They sit through the cold, they sit through the snow. Those fans are really passionate, and I got to give them some props as well. Um, So we'll make them like 10A or something. But those are my top NFL fan bases. In my opinion, special Ford food chain segment returns. Um, but coming up in a couple of weeks, we have the NFL draft. NFL draft is going to be uh, here. It's going to be April 25th. So be on the lookout for that. But I'm planning on bringing Alec Bell back on. We're going to refine our mock drafts, actually have a full mock draft because I kind of had some holes in mine um, 
and only did some of the more notable picks. But but Alex, my draft, my draft guru, we'll talk some draft and we'll get our final mock drafts out there. Um, and who knows how deep we'll go. Maybe we'll go into the second round a little bit with some picks. Maybe bring up some more sleepers because we went up, we went through a lot of sleepers last time. But check out that episode. That was episode sixty-three. Um, so you can get some draft insight, and then within the next couple of weeks, I want to try to get with Alec, and we're going to go over our mock draft. Can't promise when because we both have different schedules with school, and I can't promise, you know, how many more episodes I'm going to get in before then. But definitely, I'm. I'm really, I'm, I'm honestly really trying and I, I hope you know that I haven't forgotten about it. It's still my passion, still what I love doing. I literally haven't been able to, like, I like to play PlayStation as well. Like, I like to play video games and I haven't even been able to touch my PlayStation in over a month, I think. So it's been really tough, especially with everything I'm involved with, the radio and my sales job and everything it's just absolutely insane what's going on but um in the summer i'm still going to be a lifeguard at the cambridge country club um, which i'm not sure if i've shared that before i also got hired at the wilds i don't know if you're familiar with the wilds it's a big tourist attraction um they're paired with the columbus zoo and zumbizi bay um so I'm going to be a zipline tour guide there. I get training in May for that, which I think that's going to be really fun, really fun experience. Um, but I'll be doing that during the summer. And it's, we're, we're, we're winding down. I'm getting there, but definitely going to try to pick this up a little more. I haven't forgotten about my audience. I haven't forgotten about you guys. I haven't forgotten about this podcast. I love doing this. I try to put out the best best content I can. Try to keep it as relevant as possible. And that's tough when you miss so much. There's so much you want to talk about, but you also want to keep it relevant at the same time. So I'm I'm working. Stay with me. We're almost through the school year. And I, I, I know I gotta do a better job of at least maybe posting some some content on Twitter. Not necessarily video content or anything, but just tweets about anything that's going on in the sports world just a quick reaction or something just to at least keep viewers engaged and i haven't done that and especially with the social media age and everybody being on their phones 24 7 i should be able to put a tweet out there once a day or something but i'm working on it we're winding down i should I should be getting back into the swing of things here. But I'm back and hopefully I'm back to stay and more consistently. Um, But if you need a fix in of some, some awesome sports content and some segments, please check out my show on eight to, uh, from 8 to 10 on Mondays on WMCO 90.7 FM. Or you can listen on the web at orbitmediaonline.com. That's 8 to 10 on Mondays. The first half hour of the show, I interview the Muskingum University baseball team. Um, 
get some insight on their season, how they're feeling, um, and what they need to do to to improve. And we also, I also ask them a lot of fun questions near the end of the the half hour, um, just to get a, just get some thoughts on their personality. Um, notification on my phone there: the Mets beat the Braves six to two. I'm a Braves fan, so. Um, but anyways, you can tune in on there to to catch some of that. And then I have two segments throughout the two hours as well at a uh, twenty till at each hour, and you can catch at least a, two segments every Monday talking about some sports. If I uh, and if I can't get an episode out, at least you get to listen to that. And I'll try to tweet when I'm going to be on the air. I'm only going to have I don't know maybe three or four more shows left before the end of the semester. So if you can at least tune into that, there's a little bit of content that I can give you. But I'm going to try to be more consistent. So, glad to be back. And hopefully you're still with me. But that's it for today's episode, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show, although I am totally not active on it. But follow as I'm going to attempt to just try to put some more content out there. Um, rate and review the show on iTunes like and comment on SoundCloud and we'll see you in episode 65 here shortly it's WFS